Hello, hello, beautiful people. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. I am Bobby the Awesome, and I am happy to have you here. I am currently on one of my, I guess, infamous road trips, and I'm leaving Kansas City, and I had so many lessons this trip, and I thought I would just share some of them with you. It's, it's really interesting going back to a community that you once were immersed in and being, I don't know, an outsider? Not that I felt like an outsider, but, you know, not there for the day-to-day. And I think I was in town maybe 48 hours or 72, whatever comes after, whatever three days looks like. And so many beautiful moments happened and I've learned so much and I've also, I have a little heartache. There's, there's people that are there that are in pain. Uh, they have hurt feelings. They, they are frustrated. There's a lot of like undercurrent going on and I'll share that with you. But for my brain's sake, I need to go in chronological order, of course, to kind of roll out the weekend. And then I'll miss a part and circle back. But I want to start with Friday night because I rolled into town and my intention was to go to volleyball on Friday night. And one of the very first things that I learned or remembered or was aware of was how many families I have, how many communities, how many people love me and that I love and that are special to me. And this has been a theme of my life, although I may or may not have always noticed. I guess it's because I was reading a book about awareness. Well, I've read many books about being aware and all of that, but recently on my way out here, so I've been really trying to pay attention to everything. And this, this group of volleyball people are just amazing. And when I moved here, you know, they welcomed me with open arms. It all started with this one fella, his name, I, we call him Chip. And he's been my golfing buddy, my volleyball. We were on, I don't know, at least two teams together. And there was a point in my life where I probably spent three nights a week with him, which was more than anybody else at the time. And He's just a really good, true friend, and he invited me into this community. And when I lived here, I would go to the Christmas parties, and you know, volleyball was Friday nights at seven. And when I was gambling, it was one of the groups and families that I neglected, and I would I would have my volleyball clothes packed, and I would be ready to go. And somehow my car just drove me to the casino. It was horrible, horrible. I, I was not giving myself the self-care. And then I'd beat myself up, of course, not just for the gambling, but for, you know, missing the opportunity to do healthy activities, get movement in the body, hang out with my friends. So I digress a little. So now that I've moved away, you know, the things that I took for granted, like volleyball with this group or even Zumba with my friends, I try to, you know, put my best effort in whenever I go to town. So 
I, I get there and very warm welcome. And back in 2020, when I did my first one of these trips, I had swung through Kansas City and it was, it was still pretty COVID deep at the time. And, and the church was still closed, so we weren't playing ball. And they actually threw me like a little party. It was a good excuse for everybody to get together, but we met in a nice open park. We wore our masks. We nibbled. We visited. And, um, you know, that's the kind of thing that family does. So I got to play some really good ball on Friday night. And a couple of, aside from the family lessons, there was two other big lessons that I recall. One was when I walked in, Chip had acknowledged I had done an interview live on Facebook and it'll be, it's probably an episode on here right now, but it's definitely going to be on my other show, The Recovery Entrepreneur. I think I want to bring Marla back for you guys in a different capacity because she's an anxiety expert. But we did this interview, and I'm trying to get better about being live on Facebook so that, you know, there's pictures so we can get the podcast on YouTube. And anyway, those are some of my personal goals. But he says to me, he goes, I really love that guest, and I enjoyed her. And, you know, he, he just had a lot of great feedback. And she happens to be someone that is my client right now. And she's turning into more than a client. She's definitely becoming my friend. And I love working with her. I love her mission. She has a big heart and a big smile. And she's just fabulous. But Chip works with underserved communities. I couldn't actually tell you exactly what he does. But I picture it like a DCF. Like he works with children. So kind of like social work. And because he works with children and she's an, you know, an expert and a therapist on helping children and parents with anxiety, he really connected to her message. But here's what was special. He took the time to tell me that. Like he had taken some of the information she had said and went into work and like executed it the next day and applied it and shared it with people. And as we get to what happened Super Bowl night, this was a theme throughout the weekend about the ripple effect and, and how we impact other people. So upon reflection, I, I obviously I reached out to Marla. I was so excited. Like I was practically in tears when Chip told me because it meant a lot. It meant a lot for many reasons, but he took the time and he, he took the time not only to watch her, but to also tell me about it and, and let me know the value he took, which I need to refill my bucket too, you know, the bucket that I talk about with you guys in different ways, not just my recovery bucket, but my keep going as an entrepreneur and, and working on my mission bucket. And people are a big part of that. And conversations like I had with Chip are one of those things that fill my bucket because you never know who's watching. You never know whose life you can impact or touch. And you never know what way you can do that. And that's that's the beauty and what happened. So Marla, of course, it touched her heart as well. And she, you know, she said she got emotional too to my message. But I was like, you know what? Here's this lady who, ironically, I met her because I reached out to her. I'd seen her talk about her mission and I sent her a message and, and told her what a nice job she did because she was in a speaking competition. And that's kind of how we got connected. But then to think about 
here Chip is, he goes to work, and let's say one kid, he helps one kid with what Marla taught. And then that kid grows up, applies whatever he learned from Chip, who learned it from Marla, who learned it from wherever, but grows up and maybe breaks the cycle of addiction or abuse or something that, you know, that's caused him trauma because of what Chip said. And then, you know, he, he could be the father of the next president, or maybe he's someone so young that his life changes the whole trajectory and he becomes a doctor who now saves a life. And we just don't know how that ripple is ever going to work. And we just can't take for granted being kind to each other and taking that extra 30 seconds that when we have positive feedback or we just, you know, can be kind just that moment of kindness. I mean, I was talking to a, another friend last night and she was telling me this story about she's, you know, executive level at a company and she goes into this filing room one day and, and she was kind of like in a rush, but she caught the eye of this employee and, and then she like stopped and, and checked in and said, you know, Hey, are you okay? And come to find out the employee was in the process of losing a family member and my friend just stopped and gave her a hug and they cried together and she said to me last night I don't know if that's my purpose you know it, it felt good to her she goes I don't think she remembers now I know with no uncertainty that this lady absolutely remembers and that and that Patty probably touched her life in, in bigger ways than we'll ever know so you just never know what you're going to do, what your legacy is going to be, who you can help and how you can help them just by being a good human being. So that was my, my first, uh, I don't know, lesson or reminder. Cause I don't think that a lot of this is new to me. It's just that sometimes I need to be reminded too. And the next thing was I got an Apple watch. My, my Apple watch was kind of a big deal because I bought one a couple years ago uh, I used to be a Fitbit girl, and then they break after so long, and I get mad, and uh, this is probably more of a character defect than something I'm proud of, but I get mad, and when I get mad at a company, I tend to boycott them, so I bought an Apple Watch a couple years back, like a cheap one. I didn't know if I'd like it, and um, I didn't end up bringing it out until after the last Fitbit broke. Well, then I got a part-time job and I was doing dishes and I ruined the Apple Watch. So mom got me one for Christmas and I still haven't figured out how to use it the right way, if I'm being honest. But I had it on at volleyball and I didn't have the notifications set to off. And I watched, I watched myself how this happened. It was crazy. So I was getting texts. So, so my wrist is vibrating with these texts and what would happen is if I looked at the text or I didn't either way, my brain and my, my bobbiness left the volleyball game and, and my, and just trailed off into this text and into this, um, I don't want to say worry, but distraction. I was distracted and then I wasn't present for volleyball. And I'll tell you, it took, it, it took some effort to get my head right back in the game. And I'm like, Bobby, what are you doing? Like, you don't get to 
they reminded me. I hadn't seen them since fall of 2020. And now here we are, 2022. And I was checking out mentally. Like, what was that about? Like, what was the point of going there if I wasn't going to be there and be completely present and enjoy it? So that was another, you know, I'm kind of proud of recognizing that. I'm not proud that I wasn't there all the time, but it's practice, you know, it's, it's not going to be an overnight adventure to be present all the time. And, and I know that. So that's just a reminder, shut the notifications off when there's an activity or an event that you should be paying attention to and be present, like be present, whether it's with your kids, with your job, with an activity, but be present so you can enjoy those moments. That's another piece of something I was learning in, in a training I'm taking, and this is another exercise that I have to practice this week, is paying attention to all my senses just in life, in any experience. Like I'm sitting here at a red light right now, and I have, I'm seeing the lights of the car behind me. I'm hearing the blinker. I'm annoyed by the fact that there's somebody to my left, but luckily they haven't touched me, so that's good. Um, but what are the smells in my car? I'm smelling my coffee. And dialing into all these senses and practicing this helps keep me present. So that's another nugget I learned, which was wonderful. So those were a couple of the things I got from Friday. And then Saturday, I can't remember how the day played out or what I was doing in the morning or whatever. Um, so in, in the background, let me tell you this too. So when I come to visit, I'm welcome in a couple different places. And I've been staying at someone's house. So for, for all my visits, most of the time I come back, I stay with one friend. And then I got in the habit of staying with this other friend the last few times. And the other friend just has more room. Um, I kind of have my own little suite. And not that it, it matters about the size or whatever, but for my self-care and for who I am, I like to go to bed early. I like to get up early. I, you know, I don't have the TV going. I just have my routine. She doesn't, you know, keep me up all night talking, like all these things. And the, the other friend who I used to stay with all the time, when I told her I was coming to town, she said, can you please stay with me? Now, I wasn't my first choice because I wasn't taking care of myself in that way. But I'm also, you know, a believer that we should help someone when we can. And I could tell that it was like, it was like a, she needed me more than she wanted me kind of text. I mean, she didn't say as much until later Saturday night when we're up till one in the morning, which is part of why I don't stay there um, too often. But there's this dynamic brewing in my friends, and this is what I open the show with. They're not talking to each other. When I get to town, everybody talks to me. But I can't solve the problem for anyone, right? Like if they're feeling some sort of way um, about each other and, and not telling each other, then it's not going to get rectified. And the sad thing is, and, and I know this through my own journey, is these are... I don't want to say small issues, right? Because if it's important to them, it's important. But they're issues that are getting bigger in people's heads because they're not talking to each other, which was another point I wanted to share. I can't fix it as an outsider. 
I, I learned this very clearly watching, you know, my mother try to get involved in the one of the battles at home. You know, she ended up getting out of hurt and, and out of the mix and not the relationships with the people or were damaged because she got involved. And I don't choose to do that. And it's not taking care of myself anyway. I don't choose to live in uh, drama and and all of these things. The best I could do as a friend is to listen. And sometimes I coach. I try to not coach because unless I'm invited <laughs> to coach, I, it sounds almost like preaching or whatever. Um, but I listen and then I ask questions. And if people come to conclusions, then great. That, you know, help move them forward in the situations. So there's an undercurrent of this going on in this group. So Saturday... I, now I know this sounds funny for somebody who's been in recovery for a couple of years from alcohol as well as the gambling, but I, my base, home base, so to speak, when I'm out there is this bar that I met most of these friends at and I'm not drinking in the bar. And that was a big test a couple of years ago. I figured out once I could hang out in this bar and not drink, I was good to go. Like my sobriety would be easy you know, relatively easy. Anyway, so I hang out at this bar and it's really cool because everybody goes to this bar, whether it's for one drink or a meal or whatever. And I can hang out there for eight or 10 hours and I can have some of the most magnificent conversations. I get to see people. I couldn't plan it any, any better than how it usually unfolds. And I'm a believer that, you know, everything happens for a reason and, you know, divine timing and all of those things. So there was a bunch of different folks that I ran into, and I think for different reasons, on Saturday. And, and one of them, you know, <laughs> this is a show about addiction and recovery and living our best life, right? So one of the guys, when I first moved there, I would be in the bar and we would sit and we would do trivia and talk and all this stuff. Now at the time I'm immersed in the drinking. I'm not paying any mind to uh, how present I am or what my emotional state is. I don't think about any of those things at the moment. So I'm just sitting there drinking with them. And I'm a pretty upbeat person even back when I was actively in my addictions. And this guy can be a little draining. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot to take. Sometimes you know, people can't see the good in anything. Like when I was describing him, I said, you know, he'd be the, the guy who would win a million dollars, but bitch about the fact that he had taxes to pay. And of course it's a bad example in the gambling world to use, but it was the best one I can say to put it in the perspective. We used to call people like that Eeyores at work, you know, the sky is falling. And through the years, what happened was he had, he was a heavy, heavy drinker. Like one night I rescued him from the bar. He called me and I got there and he, and he just sobbed for hours and, and shared with me, you know, all the trauma. And, and, and this is part of why I believe the trauma and the things from our past and our childhood and all these situations, if we don't heal them and take care of ourselves, that's how we end up. We, you know, we end up in this this place of either addiction or suicide or, you know, whatever the thing is, we got to take care of ourselves. 
So the last few years, he ended up with cirrhosis and liver damage. And he had gotten, you know, from being a healthy size, maybe 220, 250, you know, like he's taller or whatever. Um, and I don't really know men's weight, so I'm making that up. But down to like 80, 90 pounds when he was sick. And he ended up having a liver transplant. And he's been sober ever since. Amazing. He renewed his relationship with God. He invested time and has been being, from from an outsider looking in, a really good father, you know, from what I could tell on Facebook. And um, he was filling me in on some stuff with his daughter quit her first job because she stood up for herself, which I thought was a remarkable story in itself for a 15-year-old to stand up to people who weren't treating her right. So I thought that was pretty good. Um, and then, you know, then all the downside stuff. So here I am. I'm telling you, this man had a second chance at life, right? And then the conversation progressed to, you know, some, just last week, he's like, well, last week I wanted to put a bullet in my, in my mouth and this week I'm good. And uh, we were talking and this is how I learned things, by the way, guys. And this is why I try to share with you because these conversations are just mind blowing. And with my frame of mind, I think people just feel like uh, they can lay on a couch and, and spout out things to me nowadays. But he was telling me, he's like once, because he used to be suicidal all the time. And he says, once you experience that or you have suicidal ideation, he said, you know, it comes back pretty easy when I'm down. And, and that hadn't occurred to me. And I don't know, again, not a doctor, not a scientist, um, but I find it really interesting that he made that point. Now, this is coming from someone who had a family member recently attempt suicide, right? In the last year, who tells me that it's a, it was just a one day event. And then I hear him say, yeah, it comes back. Now I imagine it's different for different people who have gone through uh, depression and, and having these feelings, but it was just a different perspective for me. And my heart hurts for him, not just because he still can get in that that dark place, but that he hasn't found the light even through the efforts. Now it's just not his right timing, right? Because that fits into my belief system too. Because he's, you know, he's making the effort. And by the way, like he was in the bar, yes, but he was also sober. So just to call that out, he's still doing good And as far as that. But it's scary. And it, it's, um, it's just helping me understand a little better, too, that different people operate different ways and that this stuff can happen. And maybe I'll be a little bit more guarded or aware or paying attention for people around me that I know have, have gone through that before uh, and just try to stay dialed in. That's really all that's in my power. That and being able to share that with you so that maybe you could do the same or if you're feeling the same, you know, tell someone or, you know, get, get the help you need. So that was another like, okay, okay, learning. Like, thank you for sharing that with me. And then the, the, the afternoon goes on. It's another lesson, guys. This one freaking stings. 
No. You know what? It fucking hurts. It doesn't just sting. It hurts. So when I'm there, like I said, I'm at the bar and people come and go. And if I haven't seen them, you know, like part of my catching up is like check in and how's this one doing and how's that one and da 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 da. And there's two bartenders working, uh, one of which that, you know, my whole drinking career at this bar, he was the bartender and I just have an affinity for this kid. He's brilliant. He's just one of those very smart fellas. He has a lot of opinions, but he doesn't really... He doesn't really like spit them out, you know, he'll, he'll share with you if it's appropriate, but he's just kind of a watcher. And, um, anyway, I totally adore him. And on Saturday nights, when I lived there, we'd close the bar and it would be him, this fella, Carlos. Now Carlos has, was a football player at once upon a time. And he loved the Cowboys because the Chiefs didn't give him a tryout or, you know, he didn't make it on the Chiefs. And <coughs> I'm telling you he's a football player because I don't know how else to describe the magnitude of this, the size of this man, the muscles. And he, he was just a huge man. Um, I had won a, a shirt that a, a Royals, like really nice World Series shirt. It was like a 3XL or something. And he was the only person in the world I found that could fit in it and just, it fit him so well. So I love this guy because he was a truck driver. So we had that in common. He always backed his car in, which is something I do. He drank Long Island iced teas like I did. And we would just hang out. Um, I think my last visit, September, September or February, whenever, um, it happens, you know, he comes strolling in the back door at nine, 10 o'clock at night. And then I get to visit and he's probably one of the best huggers in the world. So I, I turn to Dana and the bartenders are in earshot and I, maybe I asked Pat and I was like, so how's Carlos? And you know how you just know the answer's not going to be good. I didn't know until the look on Pat's face. And Pat and Carlos were tight. They were tight. So I knew I didn't want the answer from him because here he is in the middle of work. And it was like I knew. I knew what the answer was because he's like, Dana? Well, first Pat goes, Carlos who? And I was like, really? And he, he, you know, he says to my friend, he says, Dana. And come to find out about a week after I left last fall, he was in a car accident. And we lost Carlos. <laughs> and it was, it was shocking. Like this conversation was shocking. I didn't really know how to even handle myself. Um, there was the awareness of trying to not upset Pat, you know, and then not be this shit show, um, and, you know, like bring everybody's night down. And it was just, it was just a painful moment. And I, I went and I hid in the bathroom and, and sat in the pain for a couple minutes and, you know, tried to reset and everything. But man, don't take shit for granted. And this is one of the most infuriating things to me. 
whether it's the situations in Connecticut or I'm sure these situations are everywhere or, or this undercurrent in Kansas City with the folks not talking to each other. Guys, we're not promised tomorrow. And I don't say that to be negative, but fuck. Like, I didn't know that that last hug I gave Carlos was going to be the last hug I ever gave him. And quite frankly, I'm fucking tired of it. I'm tired of losing people and it being the last time I've seen so many people the last two years. Um, I'm tired of it. But what's in my control is making that effort and showing up and visiting these people and being present in those moments like being present at volleyball because what happens if I come through town and you know there's a loss for my volleyball family or you know it's you just never freaking know and <coughs> excuse me I'm sorry I'm driving and it's early morning and I'm a mess but anyway um you don't know and it's it's heartbreaking and I'll probably never stop trying to beat this into everybody's heads, right? And, I mean, you've heard me podcast about death after death after death after death these last couple of years. You know, and that's, you know, that's not childhood trauma. That's adult, that's adulting. That's big girl trauma. That's big girl um, triggers and things that can spark depression and you know, emotions that are hard to deal with that bring us back to betting and gambling and, and doing all those things, which is why it's so important to keep our bucket full so we're prepared for those moments. And then the last, you know, reflection from my Saturday night was Pat didn't have to close the bar. So we got off and then he came around the bar and he sat with me and we just had one of the most beautiful conversations and we don't, we don't get an opportunity to do that too often. And it wasn't about the length of the conversation or even really the topic or any of those things. It was just the heart-to-heart conversation. We were actually talking about um, religion and politics and travel and some really deep stuff. And, and Pat said to me, he's like, Bobby, like I was telling him about Dubai. And um, he's like, Bobby, don't you know, like Dubai's safe, but there's been different countries I've been to and he's like don't you know like there's bad guys there people get kidnapped for sex trafficking there's you know it's not necessarily safe and you know he I told you he's brilliant he's educated and he stays current on things and where we landed was I said you know what Pat I can spend my life like watching the TV or dialing into the news and the noise of the things like that. Yeah, that stuff's happening. And I could, I can know about it. I can worry about it. I, it's not going to change anything. I could not go on these trips and not be living my life to the fullest and not experience things like the cute little rats in Cambodia that, um, help save people's lives by finding the live, uh, field mines, minefields, field mines, mines on the field. I don't remember the language, but, or seeing the little children's faces in Cambodia, uh, dancing at a wedding or seeing, you know, the tallest building in the world or watching my friends like grow in these moments as we're, you know, swimming in the 
the ocean at one o'clock in the morning making connection. Like I could, I could live my life scared and, and trade away all these beautiful moments that I'm having and get caught up in the negativity and the bullshit of all the things I can't control and all the things that are going wrong in the world. Or I can live my life and live my life to the fullest. We're talking guys. I don't, I don't want to say it in the words of we lost the last two years because I feel like even with all the ick, I've been living my life the last two years and, and the, the friendships I've made and the people I've acquired through this digital age, you know, is beautiful and amazing and I'm so grateful for it. So there's... There's just so precious time. My point was going to be, I want to say most people feel like they lost the last two years. Um, in two years, if you live 70, 80, I mean, 140th of your life is, is COVID, right? So you only have 39 other parts. And how many other parts are gone if you live to 80? So those are the things I think about. And I really just enjoyed that, that conversation. And Pat and I handle things completely different, right? But we found we, we were okay respecting each other's different points of view and listening and, and really listening and hearing each other in this conversation. So that's what, that's what means so much to me. And the, and the fact that he, you know, came and purposely spent some time with me, he was being very intentional to spend time with me just like I'm intentional by me going and, and spending time with these people. So I really, really enjoyed that. And then I, I went home and the friend, the friend's house, you know, that I said, I think felt like she needed me. You know, we had the conversation and she kind of let out some of her stress and, and what was going on with her family, with her health, with her friends, with her job, you know, all the things. And, you know, we had our quality time. And here's the thing, guys, you don't need to stay up till one in the morning. You don't need to have five hour conversations or a whole day or whatever. These are precious freaking moments. And they could be the two minutes that it took Chip to tell me about what he absorbed, or it can be the 45 minutes of a pad or it doesn't, it's not about the time. It's about the quality. And lastly, yesterday, um, I'm going to try to give you an abridged version because I've been talking to you for a while here, but it was Super Bowl and Kansas City wasn't in it. And if you're out of the country, Super Bowl is a big deal here in the States with our, you know, throw the ball football, not kick the ball football. And I've never been a big sports fan. I didn't really understand it. Again, I'm not a, you know, I'm just... I'm an odd duck, I guess, compared to the rest of the world, but it wasn't until I went to Kansas City that I really, really understood why people get so insane about sports. It's this community. It's this energy. It's this excitement. And, and that's what Casey taught me. Like I was there when the Royals went to the World Series. I went to the parade. Again, another once in a lifetime moment. That parade will never happen again the way it happened that year after X amount of years and with blue chocolate milk. And like these moments are just once in a lifetime moments. Anyway, so I was there for that. I was there for, you know, the Chiefs evolving into what they were to be this 
Super Bowl champs and division champs and all this stuff, but it, it really had nothing to do with, with the Royals or the Chiefs for me. It had to be with, um, you know, going to Royals games with different people. Like Tara came from the East Coast one time and we went to a Royals game and um, going to a Chiefs game and, and the first time I ever saw like a portable mixer that you plug into uh, like a battery like there was just weird things and a, you know a little chief's bus and going in style and bonding with people and making memories in the parking lot and that's what sports really is now to me is all these memories that I have around all these people and all this excitement and energy when I rolled into town these people were acting like little biatches like oh it's not the chiefs who cares super ball like that was the mentality so I was like, listen, it's not the Chiefs, it's still the Super Bowl, like remember the days when it wasn't the Chiefs and you still celebrated the Super Bowl, now this is coming from the not sports person, and I said, and nonetheless, I'm in town, so you should be celebrating that, and oh by the way, as a unit, like all these different friends, um, this is part of that undercurrent, they're not hanging out as much as they used to. But for me to visit everybody, I like it when they're at a, as a group, so I can kind of mingle and see everybody all at once. Now I can only control what I can control. So there was no super bar party happening. And there was people that I hadn't seen that I wanted to. Um, you know, Brian and Sue are in their 70s. And Brian's health hasn't been the best. And I every single time I go to Kansas City, I have to have my at least dinner or an hour at the house. I need to see them. Like, it's just on my heart. I just need to see them every time. Um, and I hadn't seen them at that point. Uh, so I, we were trying to figure out what was going on. I said, well, we just need, and, and unfortunately, the bar we all love to hang out at was closed for the Super Bowl, which was great for their employees and stuff. So, so we decided on, we were going to pick a place and we'll start there and, you know, we'll see what happens, but at least we had a common ground. So I sent out a text to everybody at say, I don't know, 1130 in the morning. Hey, this is where we're going. And it was group text and it was, you know, the group, some who I had seen throughout the weekend, some I hadn't. And I was like, Hey, this is what's going on. We're going to meet here. Would love to see you. Uh, I politely, I think, might have mentioned that they should lose their pissy pants and that, that they should come see me. And, I, you know, I signed it. Love, Bobby the Awesome. And um, by about 2 o'clock, we hadn't heard. Not one single person texted back in this group text. And Dana was starting to get a little antsy about it. So she sent out a message like, hey, you know, like, what's the status? And I've been through and I've been around people enough to know like people got different lives it's not all about me necessarily but of course I wanted to see them but I also couldn't you know I don't know what's going on one of my friends was just getting over COVID another one was sick in bed things happen so in comes not too long after she sends this text in comes you know a couple of the gang someone does text back and whatever and um the one who walked in was like yes, we're coming. Yes, we're coming. And kind of made a little bit big deal about it. Like, don't stress because we didn't answer. Now I could see both sides of this, right? Like it's polite to answer, but if you didn't know what was going on at that point, you didn't know what was going on. Um, I know I live my life very kind of carefree and uncommittal. 
Like, if I want to go do something, I do something. Like, on my way back from Colorado this trip, I don't know which way I'm going home. I may go back through Kansas City. I may go through Florida. I may go through Tennessee. I don't know how I'm going yet. So, and, and that's kind of how I enjoy life. So, I understood it. But Dana was a little sensitive to it and, and then sensitive to the, you know, hey, we, we're coming, don't worry, kind of thing. So, again, a little friction that didn't need to be there because it really wasn't about responding to the text. It's about all these, you know, little little incidences building up in everybody's perception being all crazy. These stories that we tell, so, ourselves. And again, here I am, sober, an outsider, and I could just, I could just see some of this stuff. But anyway, the bar's getting ready to close, and in walks Mason. Now, <laughs> Mason... So 2013, so it was almost 10, wow, no, 2017 is when I moved to Kansas City. So he was in his early 20s, and how I met Mason was, I walk into Tequila Harry's, that's the bar we go to, for the first time, and I'm like, oh, it's Mexican, and I just, I was turning around to leave, and for whatever reason, Mason stopped me. And he's like, where are you going? I was like, ah, you know, I don't know if this is the place. However, it went down. Well, he got me to stay. And he visited me. You know, he was he was a server. But he'd come over and he'd visit and we would chat. And, you know, where are you from? And all the things. And he made Tequila Harry's home for me. He, like, welcomed me in. And the thing that I love about Mason he, uh, I don't know, he's like a, one of those soulmates, I think, because as we're talking, so this is ex-truck driver Bobby, right? This is the girl who moved from halfway across the country for this job and knowing no one. And he's telling me, now he's in his early twenties and he's telling me about how he lived in Hawaii and how he lived in Saipan, um, and all these experiences and and he was living life and I just adored him so much for this I was like so proud of him and he's actually he's in my phone as Mason proud Hawaii (laughs) that's how I I programmed him in and he's catching us up and he had just gotten back from Mexico which was was kind of cool and he's still traveling the world and I always said to him I was like Mason don't get caught up in girls. Like, just keep doing what you're doing. The girls will come. You know, like, parental Bobby showing up. And uh, and so far, he hasn't been locked down. He's still running around and living his life. And I, I love it. So I was excited to see him. And I haven't had a chance to visit with him in quite a while either. So we don't know who's really showing up at this, you know, the 4 o'clock meeting some people. Now, you know, Mason's there. I want to visit with him. I have a commitment to go see Brian and Sue. And I don't want to leave Dana sitting alone at this bar or whatever, you know, waiting, filling a table and stuff. So because everybody had showed up or some of the folks had showed up, it was like green light. I could go to Brian's. I still wanted to see Mason. He was going to hang out with us, blah, blah, blah. So I get down there, um, after going to see Brian and Sue, which, you know, is short and sweet. I, I, I did not, I'm a little ashamed to say, I felt obligated to get back to the other place, so I I didn't spend as much time with Brian and Sue as I would have liked. Um, 
you know, there was the, the, my voice is creeping in, right? Like where I was trying to make everybody happy and I'm not going to make everybody happy. I have to remember that. So I have to be true to me and just do the best I can. So at one point we're there and, um, this was, this was so cute. The, one of my friends, again, having one of those sidebar conversations that we got really deep, again, religion, purpose, all these things. And we were talking about one of the ladies comes over that had joined our group after me since stopped working at Harry's. And she's like, I was wondering like, who's that kid sitting with our Harry's group, right? Like he seemed like an outsider. And I said, actually, I said, if it wasn't for Mason, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I wouldn't know any of you because I would have never went back to that place. I never would have went back to Harry's. I never would have, uh, you know, met this group of friends, this, this other family that I, I choose to have in Kansas city. And it was just such a beautiful moment, you know, of realization and sharing it with these guys. Like I wouldn't know you if it wasn't for this one person. And here's this, this kid, this world traveler, that, you know, changed my relationships. And quite honestly, here's the big, here's the big deal part to me, guys. Part of my 321 mission was because I wanted to get back to Kansas City. Like, I want a 321 recovery playground in Kansas City. Like, that's going to be my flagship location. And the way I've envisioned it in my head is I will have an apartment at the top of the building and that will be, um, Kansas City will be my nucleus. It's in the center of the country and I, it, it feels home to me, whether it's the sports or the people or the things. So, um, this one kid just made such a big difference in my life. And I ended up dropping him off at home and I said, you know, I said, I'm so proud of you. And again, Bobby back when I was drinking would not have said any of these things to these people. I didn't know how to feel proud. I didn't know how to know my feelings, never mind tell them to people and be that vulnerable. And, and he was so cute. He's like, you know, I hate to pull the age card. He goes, but I'm proud of you. He goes, it's gotta be a lot harder. Like at your age, you know, traveling the world and getting out and doing these things. So another beautiful moment. So that was kind of how I ended the weekend. It was a success. It was wonderful. I know there's even lessons I'm forgetting to share with you because I'm not looking at my notes. Like I, I took little notes down, um, to remind myself of the things I wanted to share because they were just so valuable to me. And then I got up at four this morning and snuck out of Dana's place and I'm on the road and making good progress and, um, you know, headed, headed to work, so to speak. So thank you for listening guys. Thanks for tuning in. I hope, I hope that you heard what you needed to hear and, and got a little nugget or two out of these lessons. And, you know, I hope you're out there changing lives by being kind and kind to yourself, kind to others and, and being aware to take notice of all these little special moments that we all have that maybe sometimes we take for granted. So I love you. I, I hope you have an amazing day and I'll talk to you soon.